All right, as y'all find your seats, we are excited. Uh, we're excited to celebrate Orphan Sunday, and um, I love I love uh, orphan stories because orphan stories often lead to adoption stories, and that often reminds me of the love that uh, God has for us, adopting us as His children. And so, uh, this morning, as we wanted to get ready for that, uh, we we're just I was just thinking about. How can we uh, help give a picture of what this looks like in the church and in our community? And um, right, truly, God has pulled together some uh, some really great people, some great ladies here. Uh, and uh, guys, there are lots of guys involved in orphan care, too, so don't be fooled. Um, but uh, this morning, we're just going to take a few moments to to hear about some of their stories, but also to be challenged as to how we all join in. Uh, with Orphan Care. So I want you all, if you would, to begin, um, just introduce yourself and tell us uh, just quickly how you're connected to Orphan Care uh, in your everyday lives. Hi, my name is Carolyn Smither, and I am the program director for CASA. That stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates um, in Shelby and Spencer County and in all counties that have CASA in Kentucky. We work through the family court system. Um, as you know, some children have parents who are unable or unwilling to care for them appropriately. Um, and oftentimes those children are removed, uh, either placed in a foster home um, or with a relative. So we are a volunteer-based organization. We recruit volunteers from the community and they work with the children, meet with the children on a weekly or every other week basis and make sure that while they are in the court system, they're getting all the services, all the care and nurturing that they need. Cool. I'm Leslie Scott, and um, my husband, Tom, and I attend church here. And I am an adoptive mom. I have two boys that we brought home from Ethiopia, um, one in 2010 and one in 2000, I guess 2008 and 2010. And then, this, that's personally, professionally, I um, for six years oversaw an Ethiopia adoption program um, with an agency here in town. And then most recently, I've transitioned to be an adoption specialist. And I'm currently um, working with Kentucky families in education and approval of the adoption process, kind of doing the home screening and making sure that homes are safe and secure to bring kiddos home. My name is Alicia Rowe. My husband is Tim. We have four boys, four girls. And our oldest daughter got married this summer, so we also have a son-in-law. And um, uh, six of our eight children have been adopted. Um, we have fostered through the Safe Families program. It's a fostering-type program here in Louisville or Shelbyville. And I also work with Carolyn as a CASA. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, now you get a little taste of what you're getting ready to hear from. And uh, know this, I don't want... Um, my heart is that we wouldn't be intimidated by these stories because there's some beastly stories here, but that we would be inspired to join them. And we're going to talk about what that looks like at the end. But, but Leslie, I wanted to start with you. Um, and I know, we, you know, especially for the two of you that I know a little, little better, there's so much intertwining of your personal lives and your professional lives. So um, jump back and forth. That's what we do. Would you share with us about how, um, about how God broke your heart for orphan care and then... Um, in that, just kind of help us understand the magnitude of the need uh, in orphan care today. Sure. Um, okay, so when Tom and I were dating, we had talked a lot about adoption see, being in our future, and that was just important for us. 
Um, I'm actually Canadian, he's American, and we have now two Ethiopians, so we are the true international family. Um, but we had just always talked about that being a heart of ours. When we were dating, we'd been on a couple of missions trips and really had just kind of seen the world um, and seeing children in other countries, our own countries, our own backyard, and so on, was really something that tugged at us. So we got married in 2005 and tried for a year or two to have biological children and were not successful. And we decided, um, just through prayer and just knowing that we had a heart for the orphan, and um, just, I wanted to be a mom. And I really didn't care if that child came from my physical body, but that was just something that really pulled at me. So we just talked and thought, why don't we start the adoption process now? If we were to get pregnant, great, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. But instead of investing hundred, well, I say a hundred thousand, thousands of dollars into medical processes to figure out why we weren't conceiving, we would invest that money in a child that needed a family. So that's kind of how that came to be. I was a guidance counselor. I was not working in the adoption profession. Um, so that kind of came later on. But that was really the biggest way. We had traveled. We'd kind of just seen the needs across both of our countries we've come from, but also just worldwide. So that's really where that tug came. We knew that we had that adoption was something that was important to us in the future, but we really just kind of started that process. And um, one thing that was really neat in our process is that we turned our application into our adoption agency on March 15th, and I held Eli on the first time on December 15th. And if you do the math, that is nine months to the calendar day. And I just think that's a really cool picture of um, kind of the way that the Lord worked in our life. And from application going in to the first time I held him in Africa, the first time was exactly nine months. That's crazy. That's cool. So the need um, was Blake's question. The, the need is great. The statistics say there is 143 million orphans worldwide. But I need you to know that does not mean that there's 143 million orphans available for adoption. And so often when we hear orphan care, we parallel that with adoption. Less than 1% of those children will have a chance at adoption. So we need to understand that adoption is a piece of what we do, but the need for orphan care is great. It's in our own backyard. Um, it's with people sitting in this room. Um, and really, I always say that the, the, if you have a desire to help, it can help with people sitting next to you. Um, Alicia and I have both brought kids home. It is really hard to bring kids home. I mean, it's hard to bring home biological children. Um, it's hard to bring home children that are already moving. <laughs> um, I mean, my ours came home at 13 months, could not speak our language, did not know what I was saying, but he was mobile. I mean, he was running everywhere, and it was hard to call him back because he didn't understand what I was saying. Um, it's different, too, when you bring home older children. So I always say that it can start um, in your backyard. Um, with the people here in the church, that the adoption journey begins when children come in your home, not when you submit your application. Um, and that's kind of where it gets real big. But there are a lot of opportunities kind of across Shelby County, across Kentucky, across the U.S., and then globally where um, we can get involved. That's awesome. Um, Alicia, I, I say this, and I, I know you'll probably push back against this, but... Um, I've been around a lot of a lot of families that care for orphans, and I'm not sure that I've ever been around a family that that thinks of their calling so strongly in adoption as yours. I mean, everything that you do and say and breathe is with a heart for the orphan. 
And, um, you know, that's, that's looked like everything from international adoption. You talk about adopting six kids to now, you know, I mean, you could totally like retire, right? Like you could go like, I'm in the, I'm in the adoption hall of fame and you, you call, you know, like you could do that. You could do that and no one would be mad. Um, but instead you, you call Carolyn and you say, I'm going to volunteer as a CASA. Uh, and so what that also does is it makes you an invaluable resource. And so, um, I, I love too that, that when I ask you to do this, you're like, well, it's really not about, um, it's really, it's really not about like being super ready for all these things. It's about what God has taught us on the journey. So, um, share because you have like, you have this incredible story of what God's doing. Share a few things that God has taught you through that journey of all these different orphan care experiences. Okay. I was going to save this for the end, but I'm going to start with this text I got from my friend Anessa this week. Um, This is why we do what we do, Um, Tim and and me. She says, it's crazy to think that I lived a life where he wasn't first, talking about God, that I didn't talk to him constantly, like I believed in him and prayed and loved loved him. But when I seriously decided to put my all in, It's crazy to see what he does with you. And it doesn't even have to be materialistic, like mentally. When I'm fully engaged in him, my mind is so at peace. I may get distracted sometimes, but he's never far away. And I didn't understand that before. And this is just the beginning. You all know Anessa. She was baptized a few months ago here. And um, she is really experiencing God's uh, blessings in her obedience and that's, I mean, that, in a nutshell, that's our story. Um, we, God's taught us so much about patience, unconditional love, and grace. But I'd say the biggie is just in how um, if you surrender and truly trust him, he is so adequate when we are inadequate. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that says, Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, and that is totally our story. (laughs) Thirteen years ago, we we felt led to adopt for similar reasons, infertility. Uh, We had one child biologically at that that time. So we decided to take that step of faith, and we shared it with some close friends of ours, and we we shared with these friends that we we were a little nervous because we just weren't 100% sure it was God's will for us. And we wanted to be sure, and he kind of laughed and said, how can it not be God's will? It says over and over in Scripture that you're to care for the orphans and the needy. And he said, the question should not be, is this God's will? But are you willing to surrender to the way God wants to use you in orphan care? And that stuck with us. You know, that was about 13 years ago we shared that, and we've that's, we've carried that with us through three adoption processes. Um, in our first adoption, we, we felt so inadequate. We weren't wealthy. We're still not wealthy. <laughs> we were not child psychologists. We still fail miserably in, in parenting. Um, we never planned, like the Scots, to have a large family. We thought we'd have just a few kids. Um, we were just completely inadequate when we started that first process. We didn't have money set aside. Um, we hadn't been saving for that. We just felt like we needed, we needed to take the step of faith. So we actually borrowed money from the bank for that first adoption. And we were, um, we were pretty amazed when 
within a year of it being final, um, God provided what we needed to pay the loan back. So that, that was huge for us because we, you know, we didn't have the money. Um, going into our second adoption, again, we didn't have money for it. Um, we didn't have anything set aside. We had just, just a little bit we thought we could use to start the process. And Leslie was very instrumental. She, we used the adoption agency that she worked for. Um, but at that point, it was five years later, or five years after our first adoption that we went into the second adoption, and we thought, you know, God has totally shown up for us um, in so many ways. Instead of asking the bank for money this time, let's just ask him. Let's ask him to provide. So every day we prayed with our children, God, give us the money we need for the fees to adopt. And by the end of that adoption, we didn't have to wait a year. By the end of that adoption, it was completely paid for. And the amazing thing about that was we went into this adoption thinking we'd adopt one from Ethiopia, and we actually came home with three, <laughs> and it was paid Adoption for. Hall of Fame, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I don't know how that happened, really. Um, so then obviously by the time we, we felt that call to adopt a third time, and that was just responding to something that kind of fell in our laps, we, God knew we would need the confirmation because that was even within a year of the second adoption being final. We went from three children to six children, or to, I'm sorry, to eight children, and God knew we needed to know that it was his will, so he gave us the money as the process started um, for that third adoption. So um, I guess the, what we learned, really, the more we stepped out in faith, um, specifically regarding orphan care, the more God miraculously provided, um, and that which led us to, you know, like Anessa, I just, I want more. I want more of this. I want to see how God has con continued to provide. So we participate in the Safe Families program as a host family, and at one time we had 16 people living in our house, but nobody was ever hungry or, um, you know, we, we had all of our needs met. And, um, and then again, you know, we are um, working with Carolyn now on the CASA here in Shelby County, so... Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I, <laughs> what do you say, right? Drop the mic. Uh, but, you know, what, I, what I've loved just even in this week as we've thought about our time together here on stage this morning is, you know, you talking about, I think so often in all areas of our life, we want God to do something to show us that we're supposed to go do something. Like, we want to put our fleece out, right? And, and, and your story is, that's not always how God, like, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? And so seeing God show up in that and growing your faith as a result is so, so incredible. Um, Leslie, I know you, you, um, you're like this great resource. Like, I feel like if I ever have a question, you know where to go or who to point me to or whatever. And um, I don't know, maybe I'm unique in this, but orphan care is one of those things that really tugs at me. It's like, I can, I can run from it for a little bit, but then like, I hear this again, I'm like, I gotta do something. Like, what do, and so, but it, it's hard to figure out that next step a lot of times, like, because the reality is, is like you said, we may not all be called to bring an orphan into our home. So um, help us, right? What prayer points, what next steps would you offer to those who were sitting out here and they're like, I got to do something, but I don't know what that looks like. What do they do next? Um, it's obvious adoption is very important to us, but I think we would both agree that not everybody is called to adopt. So I want to make sure that I put that out there first, that you don't need to be sitting there and feel guilty if the Lord's not calling your family to adopt. It is, it is a calling. It is challenging. Um, but we as believers 
I mean, scripture mandates we are called to care for orphans and widows in their time of need. So we need to get involved in some way as believers if we truly believe what the Bible tells us to do. So I know adoption is my wheelhouse and kind of where I'm mostly involved on a day-to-day basis, but I firmly believe at every conference I speak at, I lead with that saying, we are not all called to adopt. So I want to make sure that so often we parallel those together, that orphan care is adoption, and that's not the case because it's such a small fraction of children will have that opportunity. So I would really just just seek the Lord as to where your family is. Um, it's important for us as a family to be involved. Our kids are six and eight, so we want to be involved with where our, where our kids are um, so they can be involved and they can give and they can be a part um, of what's out there. There are a lot of organizations out there that are really great in the orphan care ministry. There are a lot of organizations out there that are not so great in orphan care ministry. So I really just challenge you. I really, I did not bring a list intentionally um, because I think that's part of the process is seeing where the Lord can use you. Um, But really just look at the opportunities that are available. Alicia touched on safe families. That's right here in the state of Kentucky. And in a nutshell, safe families is really a bridge for Christian families to come and get involved with families before children hit the foster care system. And I think that's, that's kind of the easiest way to be able to explain that. It's really being a bridge for a parent to say, I'm struggling and I need you to help me with my children for a month or six weeks or whatever that might look like. And families can come in and help um, and build relationships. And it's neat to see how the Lord uses that to then minister to these families that are in crisis um, and can use that really to pull people towards him. Um, so that's a way to get involved here in Kentucky. Um, Casa, I know you'll talk more about what you do in your ministry, but there are so many things just even here in Kentucky, let alone globally. Um, I mean, little things like, I don't even know how many families here do the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. It's something that's huge. There are a lot of children living in the U.S. now that were once recipients of those shoeboxes overseas. So those are just some simple, tangible ways. And I know that's little. I know it's, you know, we tend to go to the dollar store and fill our shoebox as cheaply as possible. Um, I was challenged by someone one day that said, why am I going to put the cheapest things I can find in a shoebox for somebody else? Why aren't we going to go and spend what we would spend on our children and invest in these kids that are overseas and elsewhere? So I think sometimes we look at well, we'll just give kind of the things we don't need as opposed to shifting that and really kind of taking on and buying into that. So um, another tangible way is a lot of us know families that have adopted or are adopting. Um, Getting involved with those families, not only financially, but tangibly. If we were in the adoption process, the biggest way that you could help me, which we are not in the adoption process (laughs) as of now, um, but if we were, the biggest way... I used to always send Tom pictures. I'm like, how about this one? How about this one? Um, (laughs) um, The biggest way that you can help someone in the adoption process is with our biological kids or the kiddos that are already in your home. Because when you bring these kiddos home, there is a lot of transition that happens. Adoption for us or even orphan care for us, when you bring a kiddo into your home, it is the most celebrated moment. Like we've stepped off the airplane. There's 60 people at the airport. And it's really a joyous occasion. But if you think about it for the life of our kids, it starts with loss. It starts with everything they know, everything they did know. What, they may have lived in an orphanage, but that's what they knew. It was the nannies that cared for them. It was the people that they saw on a daily basis. 
we're not only a different color, but we're strangers and we talk funny. And then we put them on this giant metal tan and strap them in a seatbelt, you know, and fly them home 17 hours to a whole bunch of people waiting at the airport screaming and cheering. So it's a really overwhelming process, but just to throw that out there to say there's tangible ways with families in the church that are adopting um, for us to get involved in love on and make meals for. Um, I sometimes think that that's kind of what gets lost because once you get off the airplane, it's like, rah, they have the child home. But that's where it can be challenging, and even years later as we walk these roads with families. But those would just be some tangible ways, even with families in our church, where we could be involved. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, <clears throat> there, there was a graphic Alicia sent me in a, a blog post this week. Um, you can throw that up. I thought this was really good. It stirred some some stuff in me and my family. So just this visual of like, here's some things that you can do to come around, to wrap around the foster and adoptive families, even here at Christ Community. Um, and so we're going to leave that up there. And then, um, you know us, if you've, if you've been here at Christ Community, we're big on next steps. Like, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to take action? And, um, and so that's where uh, my new friend, Carolyn, comes in. So um, Carolyn, uh, I've, I've had the joy of meeting this week. And um, she's heading up CASA. And I don't, I don't want to steal any of your thunder. But um, if, if there's a next step, right, for us, um, here's a place to explore. Here's a, here's a place to, to go learn about and hear about how they're doing orphan care and seeing if you can be a part of that. So, um, Carolyn, share with us about CASA and um, what your role is and how we help you in achieving that role, loving on orphans here in Shelby County. Um, we're a little bit different in that we are involved only by the request of the family court judge, so it, it is through the judicial process. Um, if the families that we worked with only could reach out to the Alicia's and the Leslie's ahead of time and be a little bit more proactive, then we wouldn't have the need that we have in the family court system. But what we typically see is that's not the case. You know, the, as my dad says, the ox is in the ditch. So um, it's not a proactive, hey, I need some help. You know, would you be willing to help me? So we come in a little bit after... Um, the tragic event, however severe or, or minor that might be to a child, it's never minor. Um, but we come in a little bit later. We are a volunteer-based organization, and because these cases and these families and these children, most importantly, are involved in the court process, it's all confidential. So it's not an opportunity to say, hey, I went and worked with the Smith family, and look what I you know, was able to help them with. Um, it's giving because you want what's best for this child. And nobody that we work with has any special, uh, the volunteers, nobody has any special or required um, skill set in psychology or counseling or social work. Um, you have to be 21. That's it. And that's the confidentiality part of it that requires that. Um, we do do extensive training. We do background screening. Obviously, if your children were in this situation, you wouldn't want them paired with someone who had a less than uh, spotless reputation or background. So we, we are very careful about that. And our successes sometimes are very small, um, and we celebrate those successes. You know, sometimes it's a, a child who's gone from failing to, to passing grades. Sometimes it's a child who's been able to be screened for... Um, hearing loss, and, and because the parents were so wrapped up in their chaotic lives, were unable to get the medical attention that child needed, and, and our volunteer was able to pick up on that. 
And, you know, ear tubes do great wonders for a three-year-old who hasn't been able to hear before that. So sometimes the, the successes, you know, to us and maybe to our children, well, of course we take our children to the pediatrician. And, and, of course, if they need ear tubes, we get them. Those aren't the things that are provided oftentimes for the children that we work um, closely with. So I think it's... Um, it's a different type of opportunity. It's certainly not for everyone. Um, sometimes we have uh, uh, volunteers who come to us and who are coming from a past that has um, given them abuse or neglect in their own childhood, and they want to be able to help um, because they have that experience. And we try to be very careful with that. We appreciate that. We appreciate the fact that they're there to help and they want to help. But we want them to be sure they're in a position to be totally objective, um, to, to commit to helping this child because of what this child's needs are, not because of what their needs are. So um, if the volunteering role's not for you um, and, and being that involved, it's typically a year to 18 month process to get that child into a permanent placement. Um, if they end up being adopted, um, that might be a three to four year process. It's, it's, there's no quick fixes in this business. Um, and I tell people, you know, it, it's difficult for adults to change, and that's why we focus on the children because we think we can intervene and we can encourage them and we can help build their self esteem. Um, and they can change and they can see that there's a better life for them and that adults do care and communities care and communities will support them. Um, on the adult side, you know, I heard a, a, a someone speak and said adults can change 15%. Sometimes 15%'s enough. Sometimes it's not. And I don't know if that's a true statement or not or a true fact, or not, you know, but it made me stop and think, you know, how many of our cases would 15% be enough? Um, sometimes that, that is enough. And, and the bottom line is, can the children remain in the home or go back to their parents and be safe and be protected and be nurtured? Um, and that's, that's where you have to balance. We know that children do better in their own homes, and that's where typically children want to be. But how do you balance that? So, so we spend a lot of time talking, and, and Alicia can, will be the first one to tell you, you know, is it good enough? And, and sometimes that's not a very good measuring stick, but that's what we have to work with, and that's what we live with. Leisha has been great. Um, she will call me up and say, I just need to run a few things past you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll talk, and, you know, obviously she knows a lot more about this whole world than I do. Um, but, you know, it, it's so refreshing to have someone who, who wants to research and to, to do the right things and not step on the parents' toes, and we know that's a, a hard line to, to follow as well, um, and at the same time wanting so much for the children that she's advocating for. So um, believe me, if Alicia has the time to do it, there's not a one of us that has an excuse in this room <laughs> because uh, having the time is not nearly as critical as having the heart, having the passion, and mm -hmm. having the mental, emotional um, mindset to, to be able to do this. Mm. Probably more than you wanted to hear. No, it's good. It's a good word. Um, 
I want to I want to pray today for orphans, for you guys that are in the trenches. Um, and I also want you all to be praying with us in that, but also for how God wants to use you in the ministry of orphan care. Uh, these ladies, if you if I can get you to, uh, will be at the coffee bar afterwards today. And then uh, just one super practical thing today, if you eat lunch at Zaxby's, uh, a portion of your bill goes to support Orphan Care Alliance, who um, facilitates the Safe Families Ministry that Leslie spoke of. So uh, that's an easy one. That's like almost slacktivism, right? Just go buy your lunch at Zaxby's and um, be a part of that. So um, if you would, um, join me and let's pray, and then we'll continue in worship today. Heavenly Father, you are our Father, but you're our Father because you choose to be. You've adopted us as sons and daughters. And so, God, as we think about that, um, may we be inspired, may we be challenged to care for uh, the orphans, both spiritual and, and, and actual here on earth orphans uh, in our presence today. God, we just ask and pray that, that you would, um, with clarity, help us to know how we might best take next steps in being the hands and feet of Christ in orphans' lives. God, we thank you for these ladies. Um, God, we pray that, uh, that their stories would be inspiring to us. God, we pray that you would help, uh, that you would, that you would help draw to our hearts and minds just the, the needs of these millions of orphans that exist here in this world. And God, we pray that you would um, fix our, our minds, our hearts on that city that is to come where we will no longer be orphans, but where we will be a family with you, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, just love. God, give us a vision for that as we care for those who are hurting. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.